0: Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that help them become more real to us because we believe that helps us draw more power out of them, and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Carrie Mielstein, and I'm so thrilled to have with me as a guest today, Sister Neil F. Marriott. Welcome, Sister Marriott.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Carrie.
0: Uh, it's wonderful to have you with us. Now, before we introduce you, let's just take care of a little bit of business. This week, we're making what I think is a really exciting announcement. I've been wanting to launch for quite some time uh, a website that will help people with all sorts of educational experiences. So this is Enlightened Edge EDU, where we want to have edifying educational experiences. Uh, so look, this should be able to... this. We're going to try and have this come out at least by the week we're doing First Nephi 1 through 5. So look for... Uh, an announcement and links in the show notes uh, for that week about how to get to this website. We're going to have all sorts of things on there. One of the reasons I'm doing it that week is that I've, I've spent hours preparing with pictures and so on. I just want to throw some extra things in there. Uh, looking at Lehi's, where Lehi lived, the journey that he takes, how would they get out of Jerusalem, come back to Jerusalem, uh, the background behind their story, what's going on historically, and so on. Uh, For those who just want to do a deep dive into what's going on uh, with Lehi's story. And so I'm going to do that with a video that has all sorts of pictures. I already have uh, lots of the handouts that I've created for my classes for uh, when I teach Book of Mormon that I'm making available to everyone there. We're going to invite other people that I I have, uh, I'm in negotiations with, well, not negotiations, invitations and people are expressing interest. So I think we're going to have um, some people who are specializing in Isaiah, some people uh, who have had uh, podcasts and YouTube channels elsewhere that are going to also be hosted on our website. We're going to do things about uh, mental health uh, because that's a really big thing going on for people now. I'm planning on having a round table. Uh, with some of my friends about uh, when we have children who are struggling with their faith and uh, i'm putting on there several lectures that i've done for other organizations that i've recorded that are going to be available on there and uh, some workshops that i've done recently on the book of mormon and on ancient egypt i'm planning on doing some ancient egyptian history courses i'm going to invite all my friends and colleagues if they have anything that they would like to get out to get it out that way I'm going to do a special class. I want to do like uh, as time goes on, like a really deep dive Old Testament history class uh, and all sorts of things. We're also going to have educational experiences every now and then we'll do live events uh, and then people can ask questions. Uh, I'm going to make some books available that will uh, online there that will only be available online there. Uh, and I'm even going to do tours. And I hope one day to do like even an extended uh, stay in Israel, where it's a class and field trips kind of a thing. Uh, so we want to do all sorts of uh, experiences to, to help people uh, with all sorts of things in their lives that revolve around the gospel. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, It's been in the works for some time and something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it takes a lot of work. Um, And uh, we're going to have a subscription for it, and it's going to be fantastic. So look for that, and I especially want you to know that there's going to be this information on uh, Lehi's family, that I've spent so much time on recently, getting that ready. All right. Well, as I said, I'm so happy to have Sister Marriott with us. Uh, let me tell you just a little bit about her, and then uh, I hope you'll tell us more about yourself. But uh, Sister Marriott, if I remember right, you're from Louisiana, is that right? Or Louisiana? I'm sure I don't Louisiana, say that correct. Louisiana. Best <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but and went to Southern Methodist Southern Methodist University or SMU. Um, and joined the church while, uh, I can't remember if it was there or while you were a secretary at Harvard, but some somewhere. You'll have to tell us that story. Um, she's since served with her husband in the as mission leaders in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and then served as the second counselor in the general young women's presidency. Um, and uh, I uh, just know a little bit about her because uh, when uh, my wife and I, we met as students in Jerusalem and her daughter Paige was with us there. And then years later when i went back as a teacher uh her son trace was my student so uh, i've been in jerusalem with two of her uh her children so in any case uh, welcome and tell us a little bit more about yourself and correct whatever i said wrong
1: you got it right um i grew up in louisiana i was uh, a member of a good family staunch methodist family and um, mother and daddy wanted me to go to southern methodist university and I graduated from there and went straight to Boston. Daddy had said he'd like me to stay below the Mason-Dixon line until I got out of college. He was afraid <laughs> to go north and marry a Yankee, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> um, after at graduation, he said, you know what? You should just go wherever you want. So my roommate and I packed up and moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts. And although we looked for, for careers as English teachers, someone told us that we sounded too Southern to teach the Bostonians English <laughs> and I lost <laughs> all my confidence, And but I became a secretary at the Harvard philosophy department. But those things aren't really important. What's really important is I believe heavenly father got me to Boston, to Cambridge <clears throat> so I could find the church because about two weeks after I was there, um, friends of friends came over and, um, uh, they, one of them, it turned out was Um, a Latter-day Saint. We didn't know that at the time, but he went back to the dorm and said, there are four girls over in Cambridge that near Harvard that should be members of our church. So eventually, two uh, member missionaries, two return missionaries and brought to elders to our apartment and the lessons began. And as the lessons began, my pride began to grow and the wall of pride got thicker and thicker. But I had been looking all my life, for a relationship with the Savior. And though the Methodist Church is a wonderful church, I couldn't seem to get the answers I was looking for. But being prideful and thinking I was such a good girl and went to church on Sundays and said my prayers and read the Bible, I didn't need Another Bible. I didn't need uh, any more scriptures, so that was kind of my start. But introduction to the church. Uh, I being stubborn, uh, and uh, the elders being patient, and um, so nothing really changed in my attitude until they they had been asking us to read the Book of Mormon, each, and they came every Tuesday night for weeks, and uh, we didn't. My roommates and I just didn't. And finally, they very wisely said, this week, we would like to give you an assignment to read one chapter in the Book of Mormon. And immediately, I pridefully thought, ah, as an English major, I will let them know I understand phraseology and how lovely words can sound in scripture. And I will parse through what my my chapter, well, my chapter assignment was Mosiah chapter two. And uh, little did I know that um, the Spirit speaks and teaches much better than I parse English, the sentences. <laughs> so as I begin to read chapter 2 of Mosiah, you know, there's a, there's a verse in there, I think it may be about verse 10 or something, that says to uh, open our hearts that we can understand. And that must have done something to me. I don't remember that particular verse, but reading it again later, I thought, oh, I was reading what I needed because when I got to King Benjamin describing himself, how he labored with his hands and how he was no better than his subjects, mercifully, the Heavenly Father, the Savior, allowed the Holy Ghost to say something to me. And that was a question. And the question was, what if King Benjamin were a real man? And it was so clearly out of my mental thinking, it sailed right in that I was shocked and I put the Book of Mormon down in my lap and I remember looking up at the ceiling and saying out loud, a real man, then that would mean that many things would fall into place. This was a real book. This was a real history. There were real words of the Lord in it. Up to that point, I thought of it as a sort of extraneous history material that you know, I could read along, but the Bible was the thing. That put a big crack in that prideful wall. I cannot, I wish I could say that I immediately jumped to my feet and called the mission president and said, I need to be baptized. But I didn't. <laughs> all I did was say to myself, well, there's a possibility here. Or at least it, it opened my mind somehow to let's take a better look at this. It, it wasn't a major conversion moment, but it was essential because the Book of Mormon has a power that no other book has. It brings the Holy Ghost to you, it did to me and, um, and I, I had had a few touch points, maybe four in my life since I was 12, that taught me what it feels like to have the Spirit of the Lord nearby, and although I didn't know how to describe it, I wasn't sure what I was feeling. I knew it came from God, and again, in that moment, there was that tiny moment of golden truth. He was a real man, and it it started me on a path that Thank goodness it led me to baptism. But it really was the Book of Mormon that that opened my heart to to what is true. So that's how I started with the Book of Mormon. I wish I could say that I I started a daily routine of reading every day. I didn't. But I didn't forget that this book, I've got my quad, my beloved quad here, but it was just one of those blue paperback books of Mormon that they hand out. But that book was the first step onto the covenant, the eventual covenant path. And it was the power of the spirit it brought. So um, I have great, I have real gratitude for that book. Um, that the, the missionaries didn't despair. Um, the next week I kind of bumbled along, not wanting to admit to them that I had been taught something <laughs> by their <laughs> preachers. I mean, you're going to see how stubborn I was, but I did not forget and I could not deny that the Spirit had spoken to me when I was reading Mosiah chapter 2. And because of that, it was sort of like crochet hook, crocheting along and you go through a loop and hook onto the thread, pull it out. That loop was in my heart and it, it didn't unravel. So after that, it t- I don't know, Carrie, how long do you want me to talk about? Uh, ah,
0: if we're talking about out. the power of the Book of Mormon, then, I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do this week, is highlight the, the amazing power of the Book of Mormon and, and how it becomes real to us. So let's, let's just keep going. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, uh, the missionaries kept coming, and um, I kept resisting. Oh, I hate to admit that publicly and online, but... Um, it wasn't until they taught the plan of salvation. See, we had told these two wonderful elders who happened to be working in the office. So they they were the ones that kept coming every week that they were not to mention baptism. We all had a church. We all went to church. We were good girls. We were moral. We didn't drink. We didn't smoke. We were fine. So they didn't mention baptism, but they kept (laughs) coming. When they taught the plan of salvation lesson, I was completely undone. Um, I did not know I lived before I came here. Mm. I did not know that I was considered, a, and I was a daughter of God. And as they put that flannel board up, that'll date me for sure. But but no no digital world out there back in uh-huh. 1970 when they put that flannel board up, and they put a uh, a little flannel board figure of of a father in heaven, and then a, a another one, and they said. Before you came here, you were a daughter of Heavenly Father. The tears just begin to pour. And I remember thinking, I am blowing my cover here because <laughs> I didn't know how I feel. But uh, they taught that and I understood everything they said. I think I could have taught the lesson. I almost knew what they were going to say before they said it. It oh, was wow. as familiar to me as the nursery rhymes my mother taught me when I was a baby. And I, that,
0: that's so clearly the spirit teaching and, and bursting that veil, isn't it? that's that's the power again. That's wonderful.
1: It is it was and I knew it and I felt it and I decided right then that I would always live the plan of salvation and believe it, but I would stay a Methodist. That was my plan. <laughs> I, little did I know, but anyway that continued on those those lessons continued on for six months. They still didn't mention baptism. Well, the last meeting, uh, that we were going to have. It was clear because one missionary was being released, uh, two of my roommates and I were going to Europe for three months. And, um, one of the member missionaries. Well, both of them were going on internships. Turns out, one of those member missionaries, those returned missionaries, turned out to be my husband a year later. <laughs> but I had, that was not in my view. I had no idea if that would happen. Huh? Never well, a lot looked.
0: of good things happening here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. As we were standing up to leave, I mean, I thought I had had successfully done a race of hurdles over every step, making sure I could grab on to what they said that I could believe, but to maintain distance enough that I could stay a Methodist. Well, we were standing up to leave and David, my future husband, said, and he had not said much at all for six months with those missionaries there. He came every week with his roommate and they sat and listened. And sometimes I could tell the missionaries were stumbling a little because I had, and my roommates had so many questions that I would look too old. Older guys and think, come on, your graduate students help them out. But they wisely let the missionaries with the mantle of the missionary do the teaching. Well, at this last moment, I think they realized, well, this ship is about to sail. And so David said, we were standing up in the hall at the door saying goodbye to everybody, and he said, wait a minute. He said, I have a question, and I could see one more hurdle quickly rise. I thought one more hurdle to go, and he said. To each of my roommates in turn, I being the last he spoke to, he asked the same question. He said, Candy, how do you feel about the Book of Mormon? I don't remember what she said. Diane, how do you feel? I don't remember what she said. Paula, how do you feel about the Book of Mormon? Well, I knew what my question was going to be, and I was ready. I was going to say, "Um, literarily speaking, it is beautifully put together, and whoever put it together did a really good job, something like that. When he got to me and he looked right at me, he said, Neil, how do you feel about the Book of Mormon? I couldn't lie any longer. And I said, I think it's true. And I I remember thinking, I hear myself saying this because I believe it, but I didn't plan to say that. Maybe the Holy Ghost just gave me a whack on the back (laughs) and it popped out. But nevertheless, he looked at me so wisely and said, not aha, we knew you believed. He just said, "Then what are you going to do about that?" Oh, and I said something to the effect of, "I will pray honestly tonight about it," because see, Carrie, I I, I knelt down and prayed every night since I was twelve, but I didn't ask any uncomfortable questions. Mm. I did, I did, I do remember as a young teenager looking out at the oak tree in our front yard and saying, Heavenly Father, where are you? I know you're out there somewhere, but where? I was searching, but I didn't get any answers. I didn't have the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he allowed me three different times during those 10 years, from 12 to 22, when I I met with the missionaries, to feel the influence of the Holy Ghost. And each time the tears just poured and I knew that I was connecting to God at that moment. But then it would be over and I would be left to my own devices again for years sometimes. So I knew there was something out there I was reaching for, but I couldn't quite find it. In any case, um, that night I I said, I will pray about this honestly. And I thought I'm going to, I'm gonna pray about it honestly. I had never mentioned the quote, Mormon church during my prayers. For those six months, I didn't. I was afraid to. Maybe I think in my <laughs> heart of heart, I knew there was an enormous answer coming if I would just open the door. But uh, I knelt down that night, and I don't remember my exact words, but it was something to the effect of, "Heavenly Father, if this is, if this is the Savior's only true church on the earth, I'll join it. I just need to know it's true." And I heard a voice. I can't say it was in my ears, but it was sc- clearly in my head, in my heart. And the voice said, it is true. The sweetest, simplest voice. And I jumped up off my knees, put my hands in the air. I had my own private bedroom and just said out loud, it's true. I just It was like I finally let that wall down and I just climbed into bed. I didn't say amen or thank you or good night or anything. I just got into bed smiling and feeling. It was kind of a bubbling sensation. It's my, it kind of like, anyway, it was euphoric. And the next morning I called the missionary president and said, this is Sister Foot, I need to be baptized. Well, he didn't believe me. I could tell by his voice because I'd been so stubborn for six months. And he said, well, well, something like, I'll I'll have the missionaries come over tonight. <laughs> and he told me later that he hung up the phone and he told his two office elders, he said, Sister Foot wants to be baptized. He said, you should have seen what happened. It, they jumped up and were running up and down the hall yelling, she wants to be baptized. <laughs> so it was a surprise to them, to me, to everyone except the Savior.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> But it was that question, how do you feel about the Book of Mormon? That would not allow me to to hide any longer. I had to face the truth. And um, so I was baptized two weeks later and then left two weeks after that to go to Europe for three months. And in doing so, I you know those three things that President Hinckley says that a new convert needs, oh, yeah. needs responsibility and a friend and to be nurtured by the good word of God. Mm-hmm. I had none of that. Right. I couldn't even get to church, but back in the day, that was 1970. There was no GPS, there was no internet, there was nothing to tell me where a church was. Right. Um, however, I did get to church once in Paris. My brother was studying at the University of Paris, and I was staying in his apartment part of the time. And I took him with me, and we got on his motorcycle and drove around till we found. I think it was the 14th arrondissement in Paris. It's a very fine area. And it was just a big stone wall. I don't remember a sign or anything. And in it were these beautiful tall doors down the street. And it was like we were driving up to a fancy apartment. And we got off the motorcycle and George looked at me like, is this a church? I said, I don't know. It's I, I mean, it doesn't look like the ones. And my heart was racing. I remember thinking, what have I done? You know, so I knocked on the door. And so now, my, how, what, how
0: did you know to go to that area? You would looked it up in the newspaper or something. Yeah,
1: I think before I left, I had asked for help oh. at the because I had an address. Right. Okay. That we had so we found that address, and I knocked on the door, and we waited, and finally the door opened, and there was a very short man of some kind of foreign descent, and. I looked at him thinking, I'm not going to know how to speak French or any other language. And he looked at me and the spirit just poured out of that door. My heart was racing because I thought, have I made a big mistake? This looks so foreign, but it wasn't. It was the same spirit. So George and I went in and we went to church and and I needed it so badly. So anyway, after that. What did your
0: brother think? I'm curious.
1: Well, we went to lunch that day and I said, George, you're going to join this church someday. It's the right <laughs> church. In those words, and here's this cynical French student in his black sweatshirt, you know, his black turtleneck, you know, and his mustache looking at me like, sure, Neil. Well, mm-hmm. he hasn't, it's true, but he has always been kindly and respectful to my beliefs. And it's not over. I've yeah. got six brothers, six good brothers. And anyway, so that was my church experience for three months. However, I had with me a Book of Mormon and I had a little book of the Articles of Faith. And I found that I could read the Book of Mormon on the back of the motorcycle going 60 miles an hour through <laughs> the Alps because I would ride along and look at the mountains for a little while and think, I should be learning about my new church. I hardly know any, I hardly knew anything. What I knew was it was the Savior's true church. And the rest was sort of this vague pool of things. So I began to take the Book of Mormon and spread it out on George's back because he was driving his motorcycle. I would spread it out and read and the wind would just go around. It didn't Hmm. ruffle the pages and I could read the Book of Mormon. And I read most of it on the back of the motorcycle my first time through (laughs) at six minutes an hour. I cannot say I remember anything That I read, but I wanted to kind of go through the motions of finding out, what is this book saying to me? And it was, was, I guess it was enough in the eyes of the Lord that my feeble effort kept me connected to the true church. So when I got back, um, well, that year I stayed home some of the time and did go to the ward in my hometown, Alexandria, Louisiana. And I did finish reading Book of Mormon, as I remember it. I, but I tell you the truth I, again: I was doing it out of duty to figure out what this was all about. And then, within a a year later, David and I were married. We we were engaged in April and married in June of of seventy one. And um and then those next few years, keeping the Book of Mormon as the theme of our discussion, we started off reading together, and then that kind of det- deteriorated a little to reading on our own and then that became very haphazard as children came and it wasn't until really we had several children and the normal or at least it was normal to us kind of chaos of being up at night and p- taking care of toddlers and having a newborn yeah. that um i was kind of my wits end and then the, here's what happened i'm going to read this if, if do you want to interrupt me carrie i'm talking no no long.
0: this is great yeah yeah this is okay. wonderful
1: okay well um Minute, and you
0: have though. you have a, a number of children, right? How many children do you have?
1: We have eleven.
0: That's what I was thinking. And Trace is the youngest, I think.
1: Trace is the youngest. Is,
0: is Paige the oldest?
1: Paige is second eldest.
0: Okay. So anyway, so I know and kind so of the, the old. older and the younger. Okay, wonderful. Anyway, so yeah, I you keep did you
1: did the whole thing, yeah. but um, we went along reading uh, with the children, sometimes forgetting, sometimes you know doing these things back and forth, um, and finally. In 1989, in General Conference, Marion G. Romney, a counselor in the First Presidency, said this. And I typed it up or either was given it at Relief Society or something, but it was on the wall in our kitchen. And if you don't mind, I'll read it. Please do. He said, quote, I feel certain that if in our homes parents will read from the Book of Mormon prayerfully, and regularly both by themselves and with their children, the spirit of that great book will come to permeate our homes and all who dwell therein. The spirit of contention will depart. Parents will counsel their children in greater love and wisdom. Children will be more responsive and submissive to the counsel of their parents. Righteousness will increase, faith, hope, and charity. The pure love of Christ will abound in our homes and our lives, bringing in their wake peace, joy and happiness, end quote. I read that, and it was on my wall. And at the time, I can still remember a child scooting through the cereal on the floor, and one was crying, and David hadn't gotten home from work. And I didn't feel like I had anything in this. And when Mm. he walked in the door, I can remember taking it off the wall and walking up to him and saying, I want this. Mm Mm-hmm. And and you probably have like the, nine
0: children at this point, or something along those lines, isn't <laughs> In, in had 18, a lot. yeah, yes. I, I think I think you uh, wouldn't have been all of them, but but quite a few of them by 1989.
1: Yes, so. yes. but there were so many, so much going on, uh, and I can go back and talk about putting scriptures on the wall and that kind of thing. But that was when it hit me: I need the Book of Mormon. I mm. really need the Book of Mormon, and not only myself, our family. We did. I mean, we did read. We had family not consistently and all that, but it wasn't with the intent that we wanted these blessings from the reading the Book of Mormon regularly. So David, being a man of action, immediately went and got out this great big uh, hardbound copy of the Book of Mormon that our sealer gave us on the day we were married, asking mm-hmm. us to begin reading it, and that is what we read from he and I in the early years of our marriage. But he put it on the Lazy Susan of our big round table and said to the family, we begin now reading at breakfast every morning. Oh,
0: wonderful. And there,
1: there were children who left early for early morning seminary and that kind of thing. And David would kneel down with him while I was practicing violin and, and piano with the kids, but he would make sure they got a prayer. But we read from that Book of Mormon and in the beginning, we We even had, I can remember Trace with a baby car uh, in the next few years, rolling it along the top of the chairs and repeating the words in the Book of Mormon. But we counted that as reading from the Book of Mormon. And we, but we only read, it took us, I will admit publicly, it took us seven years to read the entire Book of Mormon as a family the first time through. We read it so slowly with the children. But we would discuss a little, maybe three verses, four verses. That's all we'd read. But, you know, I know that it was the consistency and the reverence with which we did that. We kept that Book of Mormon on the Lazy Susan. It collected syrup from pancakes and bits (laughs) of cereal and eggs. I mean, it looked kind of used. But he would reach for that Book of Mormon every morning in the presence of the children. And they saw that. And he would open it. And it... I know it imprinted on their hearts and minds because they do that now. And the, and the blessings that came from that are the blessings that President Romney promised us. And it gets makes me teary now because those things happened. Through the hard times and the good times, we did have peace in our home and joy and happiness. And the children do and still do respond to our counsel, come to us for counsel. And things changed because we began a regular and prayerful study of the Book of Mormon with our children. Um, There is a power in that book. I can remember when I was expecting our 10th child, that would have been I don't know, 84. I don't keep my numbers straight. And it was August. It was one of the hottest years on record. We had no air conditioning. And this baby turned out weighing 11, over 11 pounds. But I didn't know that at the time. I was miserable and in tears a lot of the time. And I can remember reaching, sitting down and being so tired one afternoon. I just reached for the Book of Mormon and I just put it on my heart and just sat there. I know that's not how you should absorb the Book of Mormon, but the (laughs) the peace that came over me just from reaching for the Book of Mormon made a real difference. I still remember where I was sitting and how it felt because the power in this book is such that I believe if we even open it, it alerts heaven. It's like an act of faith has been done. She is looking for something. Help her out. And I have felt that I have felt that that the power comes in when we just like when we reach out for the sacrament. That's a witness, to Heavenly Father, a physical witness. We are searching. We're reaching for you. And the Savior is there. And that's the way it is in the Book of Mormon. I remember uh, when.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: Well, maybe I'll just kind of add to especially that passage you were talking about Um uh, I can remember, and and for I don't know if I have a younger audience. I think it's mostly older, uh, you know, my age or something that uh, I listen to podcasts. Yeah, uh, most of the, I think you have to go to TikTok to get the younger audience or something. But anyway, uh, anyone who's a little bit uh, younger may not know that. Uh, I mean, really, it was right around uh, eighty-eight and eighty-nine that uh, really the place of the Book of Mormon in our church took a step forward, and that was under President Benson, uh, who really taught us the power and the importance of the Book of Mormon. And so uh, when you say 1989 and, and President Romney, I remember that one. So I was on my mission in 1989. And I remember that talk by President uh, Benson when he quoted from President Romney, the, the exact thing that you read, that this is the kind of thing that will will come into your family. And I wasn't with my family, but I thought, well, I already knew the Book of Mormon was true. I can't remember how or when I gained a testimony. I just knew it. But I'd had the spirit bear witness a number of times. But there are a couple of times that I can really remember powerfully, and they're they're Uh, associated with that quote, both on my mission. And then another time when we had children as well. And I thought, this is what we need. I'm going to make studying the Book of Mormon a a real priority in my life. And those blessings come. I, I felt like this is an experiment on the word, just like Alma taught us to do. Here's what... It's been promised by a prophet. If you will do these things, you will see these things. Well, if I'm a, a, you're going to do an experiment, this is all laid out. Let's do it and see if it happens. And it happens. And, and it's happened whenever I've tried it. It's so real and so powerful. So even as an Old Testament expert, someone who just spends a lot of time in the Old Testament, I will say as wonderful and as powerful as that is, as the New Testament, as everything else is, there is something different about the book of mormon and i hope that our audience can look forward to that this year and, and that uh, as wonderful as come follow me has been for every other book of scripture there is something special about the book of mormon year when as the uh, the entire church We'll focus on the Book of Mormon together. If your family will do like like Sister Marriotts and even spend just a few minutes every morning or whatever, if you will, if we will take the power of the Book of Mormon seriously this year, we will see those promises that that President Benson uh, gave us. We will sense a power and a peace that we desperately need, and I am so excited and looking forward to that. So, I, I just wanted to add that in as a witness of those promises before we moved on.
1: Oh, I don't think we even need to move on, Carrie. You you really, the Book of Mormon is a compilation of testimonies of prophets. Yeah. It it really is. It, I mean, you could I can read it as a story. I can read it looking desperately for certain answers. Speaking of that though, I have found that when I'm I'm praying and I'm still praying about the same thing after 40 something years, but uh I have found that when I'm praying specifically for needs either for me and my family or or whatever, that I will be reading. It could be in the war chapters or wherever. And the answer will come into my heart or my mind or the guidance and direction toward it having nothing really to do with the very words I'm reading that day. But because Michael Mormon has this inspirational opening, when you open it and begin to read really earnestly, loving the words, you get answers to something entirely different from what that chapter's about. And that has happened of, of guidance for a child or for a relationship or for a, something that needs to be inserted in a talk I'm supposed to give, but it's not in that chapter, but it has come to my heart during reading of that chapter. So it's like the Book of Mormon is this open gate for inspiration if we will just take the time to do it with real intent. I, um, Amen. <laughs> I I I remember, and I'm sure we all do. I think it was 2018 when President Nelson asked us to mark the references to the Savior and to God through yeah. the Book of Mark. So I got a special red ink pen and a fresh new paperback copy, and decided instead of underlining because you know, underlining. This is just my opinion but underlining in the Book of Mormon is useless because you might as well just dip it in ink. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it, it does not you know, how do you, but in any case, I decided that, and besides if something's underlined, I'm reading on this column, but my brain is what's over there that's underlined. So I'm distracted, <laughs> but, but I decided I would just put a tiny red circle around every number of every verse that mentioned deity or ref, reference the savior. Mm. And I found out of the 531 pages in the Book of Mormon, 500 of them have red circles.
0: Hmm. I don't
1: know if I, I went back to the ones because I wrote down, didn't find a circle on this page. You know, I went back to see if I could possibly find those were maybe those were the, the money coinage. I don't know what yeah. they were, but 500 pages speak of Jesus Christ in some way. How yeah. can you avoid him? It, it just comes. It just layers in that he we can trust implicitly, yeah. anytime, anywhere. It's a constant, constant teaching. So for me, that is is really powerful.
0: And I think that's probably part of why there's such a spirit about the book, as you said. So, uh, you know, as you were talking about the, the, the answers may come having nothing to do with what you're actually reading. And that's something President Oaks has taught in a, a number of ways in a number of places that as, as wonderful and as uh, amazing as the scriptures are, really the purpose of the scriptures is to allow us to learn truth from God through the Holy ghost. Uh, that's, that's their purpose. That's the purpose of any uh, thing is to let the Holy ghost teach us in truth, whatever it is we need to learn and whatever it is we need to know. And, uh, and I've found that's so very true with the, the book of Mormon and probably partially because it testifies of Christ so often and the spirit one of its roles is to testify of Christ, and so it's going to come frequently. So I kind of think of the Book of Mormon. I've never thought of this analogy before, but just recently, I inherited from my my parents a a charger for car batteries, and it's got several settings, so you can do a very very slow charge that needs like twenty four hours or more, right? And and you can change different settings for this all the way up to the top setting is just jumpstart it. Just plug this in, and you can start the car right now, right? And uh, and I feel like. That, that all of Scripture has some power in there that's just going to charge us with the Spirit and so on. But the Book of Mormon's that last setting on there. Like, I, I started reading the Book of Mormon. You can just jumpstart me right now. Uh, the 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 Spirit's going to come. And uh, that's the wonderful power of that book.
1: It is. It truly is. I, uh, I remember uh, we, at one point, I can only say we did this a few times, but I would put up a big poster with a Scripture on it. And uh, we would memorize it as a family. Of course, it, it, we didn't have a battery charger, and so it trickled out.
0: <laughs>
1: we, <laughs> again. But um, but I was thinking at one point, I don't know, is this all wrote? Is this even sinking in with the children? And I remember uh, Mosiah 4.9, Believe in God, Believe that He Is, and that He created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Um, it was one of the ones. And we went through it, and I took the poster down, and um, – I don't know how much longer it was, but it wasn't immediately after. Our, one of our daughters was um, being moved from then the Maya Maid class to the Laurel, and she was asked to come up by the bishop. And he said to her, um, share a scripture with us. But well, she wasn't warned ahead of time, and she had no scriptures with her. And she looked out and said, believe in God, believe that he is, and that he has all power, uh, that he created the heaven. And, the earth. and as she said it slowly and thoughtfully, it was a powerful moment hmm. and it, it it reminded me that memorizing really making the the brain effort to keep it with you will bring power to other people as well as yourself in a moment in a certain moment i mean if we have it in our back pocket when when a child is struggling if we can turn to a, a scripture in the actual words, there's I think there's even extra power in that, and say, uh, "Remember, remember, it is upon the rock of our salvation, who is our, who is the Redeemer Christ." If we can say the words correctly, I didn't do a very good job of that, but we have memorized that as a family, and a, a new power comes in, and so yes. I, I think that you know knowing. How can I say that? Well, seeing my daughter up there saying those words about this, about God, I, I realized she knows some characteristics of Christ through the, the, through that verse. She knows something specific about him. He has all power. He has all wisdom. He created the earth. When we know those things and they're in there and it really comes most clearly taught through the Book of Mormon, then we have power we have power to remember when uh, the world crashes in or when temptation that that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit with what I know is true. I don't know what's wrong with that, but something is. So it gives us a standard that we've got in our heart and mind to say, I discern that's not God. That's not pleasing to him. That happened to me with a, a writer in the church that I followed. I won't, mention her name and just what my soul was fed by what she wrote and said and she she left but before she left in reading one of her things something said this this doesn't sound like the way the book of Mormon sounds about god it was just that that little it gave me something to stand on and judge what i was reading and it wasn't but a year later that you know she 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 changed her mind and left the church i guess mm-hmm. i don't know anyway something else. and I, i'm not trying to call her out i'm just trying to say that the book of mormon gives me a standard by which to judge other writings does yeah. that make
0: uh, sense yeah and that's that's really actually what we mean when we say standard works uh, or or the term canon the term canon comes from and we could trace it through like it's greek and hebrew and even sumerian but it's it's a measuring stick right and that's it's a measuring standard is is really what it is by which we measure everything else it is the standard by which we measure everything else so i think that's a fantastic way of looking at all of scripture and especially the book of mormon is that we we judge what we hear out in the world and from others by how it squares with those scriptural teachings
1: Yes, and of course, in order to have it be a comparison, you have to know. You have to be able to know what the Book of Mormon is saying. So that means homework. That means reading and when you're not even in the mood. And that happens often. Although I will say Elder Scott, Elder Richard G. Scott, back in 2003, maybe, was visiting Brazil. And that's when we were serving there. And he spoke to the wives of the mission president's. And he just happened to mention that his wife, Janine, read the Book of, Book of Mormon several times each year. Mm. I was taken aback and humbled because I was patting myself on the back for reading it once every year, <laughs> making sure every year I got the Book of Mormon read once as as kind of a, a duty, you know, it's sort of like you've got the the... T- Celestial level you do it out of fear for some that you're not reading or you do it out of the uh terrestrial level where you do it out of duty because you know it's good or you do it on the celestial level because you love it well I was still stuck in in the terrestrial level and I was doing it checking it off every year get that book of Mormon read and when I realized the was sister Scott reading it because she had passed away by then uh because she loved reading it and so it she read it several times I thought I've got to do better, so I decided then that because of Elder Scott and his wife, I would read it from conference to conference. So I'd read it twice a year. That's as far as I've gotten, Carrie. <laughs> I'm not into the the top level yet, but I'm doing it more more than out of duty now. I'm doing it out of hunger, out of wanting to connect, and that, it is a connector for me. For me, I, I keep a notebook, and I I don't I I open it up. And I say a short prayer, and it's almost always the same thing. Heavenly Father, help me understand what I'm reading and open my mind to ap- applications in my life that I need to change or do. Or, and, I, oh, I love Alma. I think it's Alma 5. That's the guilt trip chapter. <laughs> uh-huh. where he ask you all the questions that you can't quite say yes to all of them. But where he says that the Lord changes our heart. Yeah. And The Book of Mormon does that. But um, anyway, I have found that after reading, after saying the prayer, and if I don't now, I've gotten to where I'll get into into it, and I think, wait a minute, Heavenly Father, I'm not understanding. Oh, I forgot to pray, so I'll go back and ask for help because I mm-hmm. always need it. And I keep a pencil in my hand when I'm reading the Book of Mormon with a notebook. Even if I don't use the pencil that day, my intention is to write some impression i've had from the book of mormon that day and sometimes it's several pages sometimes it's nothing but but i can go back now to those notebooks and say oh i remember what i felt there i remember what i should have done differently that day so i have to have paper and pencil and to, to keep everything straight but it it really the source is the spirit from that book
0: yeah yeah, wonderful. And I just to hopefully make you feel better, President Oaks has also been emphasizing that uh, quality is more important than quantity when it comes to scripture reading. And if you really, really get into a few verses because you were stopping and thinking and getting impressions or whatever else, rather than getting through a whole bunch, that's better than getting through a whole bunch. And in some ways, that's the tricky part of Come Follow Me is that we are going to try and keep up with everyone as a church. And, and so it may be that... Uh, I, I would, my personal opinion, if you're reading along and there are some verses that are really drawing you in and the Spirit's really speaking to you, spend time with those verses. And if that means you have to zoom through some others to keep up, fine. Don't don't stop those deep moments because you know you have to get done. Uh, stick with those deep moments and and uh, when you're really thinking. And even if you feel like maybe I'm getting distracted, if the Spirit's taking you somewhere and you're thinking about something that doesn't have to do with the the what you're reading, that's fine too. Then, like you said, write it down, but uh but stick with where the spirit's taking you and and catch up later.
1: I I have to agree with that. I, I get fixated on words. I love words, just yeah, the me meaning and where it came from and and the references will often take you to several other scriptures. So if I spend my time doing that, then I know that if I want to keep my goal of, of twice a year, which I do, I, I need kind of a boundary regular thing to keep me going. I will take a card, just a, a white note card and I will admit I'll speed read through some some of it. I will keep that card moving so my eyes have to follow that card. And I've said my prayer so I'm hoping something's soaking in <laughs> but I, but I find that if I get more than about 15, 20 pages behind, then I have to just stop and say, today is reading day. we're going yeah. we're going we're going to read. So sometimes it is just marching along. You know, being a good soldier, not getting maybe what you need that time through, but other times it's just rich and deep.
0: Yeah, that's the tricky thing about a schedule. So I love, absolutely love Come Follow Me and that we're all reading the same thing together as a church. I think that has honestly revolutionized what we're doing with scriptures as a church. I think it's been so fantastic i love it but the the downside of it is that sometimes you'll go fast rather than than deep and and uh, I, we'll all just have to find our own balance in there and and uh let the spirit direct us uh, as to how to navigate that but it's a it's a wonderful thing to be able to sometimes really go deep and then catch up later
1: yeah i agree well i don't know uh, do you have some questions well no <laughs> i you're uh, now wandered all over
0: now, this has been wonderful. This is everything and more than I'd hoped it would be. I mean, I feel like you have both helped us recognize the power that comes when we think about the people being real, right? That's how your journey kind of started was yes, thinking about the people and there being real. And then the reality of the power of the Book of Mormon and uh, I, I think that's kind of where we want to go right now. And so uh, if you have anything you'd like to wrap up on, uh, great. But uh, I feel like this is, uh, I've been well fed. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Carrie. It's been good for me, really good for me. And I I, um, I love the words of Christ and I love the words of the prophets. And I'm so grateful for prophets who have guided me and led me to understand the Book of Mormon better and to use it in a heartfelt way rather than a dutiful way. And because it does bless my life and my relationship to Jesus Christ. And I have a, a deep testimony of that.
0: Amen. And thank you. Uh, I am sure I know I've been blessed by by uh, speaking with you today, and I'm sure my audience has been. And I hope that they will Think about sharing this with some other people. Uh, Think of who, uh, I mean, maybe even listen to it as part of your uh, family home evening or something and then make a plan. How are we going to study the Book of Mormon together as a family or as a couple this year or something? Share it with someone uh, and uh, also do those things, likes and saves and downloads and rates and reviews and comments and everything else. Uh, we want to invite our uh, audience to both that we have another episode this week. We're going to talk with Mike Goodman a, a bit about his conversion story as well with the Book of Mormon and uh, some of the power he saw as a mission president. Um, and then next week, uh, we're going to have uh, two episodes. One will be Noel Reynolds uh, talking to us about the beginning of the Book of Mormon, and then uh, my co-host Lamar Numeyer and I will also talk about the the chapters that we cover for next week as we begin studying the Book of Mormon. But uh, We've been so well fed this week. I hope that we'll uh, let this soak in and start us out on the right path as we study. So thank you.